From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, June 25th. There were some rumblings recently from some community members who witnessed a strange sight last week up the right fork of Mill Creek. I mean, you know, when you're by the creek, you expect to hear it gurgling and, you know, kind of going downstream, and it was just quiet. Liz Thomas was walking her dog below the Highlands neighborhood last Thursday when she noticed Mill Creek was flowing less like, well, a creek and more like, quote, a trickle out of a kitchen faucet. You could walk across it and never get wet. I mean, it was just rock. And then the next day, there was no trickle. It was was just dead. It was just dry. Thomas and others raised the alarm to the Bureau of Land Management. The BLM had allowed the flow to Mill Creek to be lowered in order to secure enough water in Ken's Lake for helicopters fighting the Pat Creek Fire. The flow was lowered from June 10th to the 13th and again from the 15th to the 17th. So flows were lowered for a total of five days. Dana Van Horn, manager at the Grand Water and Sewer Service Agency. It appears that a dry creek occurred, or at least was observed, on the 16th and 17th. Van Horn and a BLM spokesperson said it was never their intention to dry out areas of the creek. Once they were made aware of the issue, they immediately restored the flow to normal levels. Van Horn says there's a problem with the diversion gate that controls water flowing into Mill Creek. She says it tends to get clogged when it's open just slightly. She says the clog is the culprit of the temporary dry up. The diversion gate does clog easily uh, when it's only open a small amount. Normally it's open quite a bit more. You know, it's finicky, let's just put it that way. Flows to Mill Creek are back to normal levels, but this experience caused Thomas and others to wonder how much water fire teams have taken from Ken's Lake and elsewhere. According to the Great Basin Team 4, as of Thursday, a total of 376,000 gallons have been used from Ken's Lake. To put it another way, that's just over one acre foot of water, enough to flood a football field one foot deep. An acre foot can typically meet the indoor and outdoor needs of two average households in a year. Van Horn says firefighters can take water from various locations. Right now we have a contract with the U.S. Forest Service for use of water to help put out the fire uh, from several sources. They include Mill Creek, Horse Creek, Warner Lake, Uwa Lake, Ken's Lake, and the Old Spanish Trail Arena's irrigation meter. Um, We have a contract with them to um, take the water and then they pay us at the end uh, for the water. So far, in total, 3.7 acre feet of water has been used from various lakes to fight the Pack Creek Fire. Not all of these lakes are in the purview of local Moab irrigators, but numbers from the Great Basin team indicate that the most water secured for fire mitigation efforts came from Ken's Lake. As for the impacts to Mill Creek's right fork from that finicky diversion gate, Thomas and others reported seeing dead fish as well as exposed beaver dams. This prompted an investigation from the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources, the agency responsible for managing fish and wildlife in the state. Aaron Bott works for the division. We received reports that Mill Creek had become really low or even run dry in certain areas. So we have sent out biologists to investigate um, reported fish kills. Those biologists walked the creek this week and conducted a census of any damage that could have been caused due to low water flows. So far, Bot says they haven't found anything. As of right now, the water levels 
have increased since we received these reports. And so we haven't found anything conclusive just yet. Where we understand the water was diverted is habitat for brown trout and speckled dace. Speckled dace are a native fish. Um, they're doing just fine across the American West. And we actually plant brown trout in Mill Creek every year. So even though it, it would be tragic if we lost brown trout or speckled dace, um, it wouldn't be detrimental to the environment and the ecosystem. Bot says biologists would be more concerned with impacts to species like the round-tailed chub, a native fish whose habitat has been greatly reduced. But again, he says... Right now, we don't have any evidence that they were negatively impacted. A report on water usage on the Pack Creek Fire will eventually be made available to the public. You can find streamflow information in the show notes of today's news on our website and podcast. Speaking of Mill Creek, both the right and left forks of the canyon continue to experience heavy visitor use year after year. The Mill Creek Community Collaborative represents about 16 entities from local, state to federal, all attempting to draw up solutions for mitigating impacts associated with this visitor use. As a representative of the collaborative, Cara Dornwin presented their final recommendations to city and county elected officials this week. The real, the real crux of it is that it was a need to really address impacts on the natural world, impacts on the plants, impacts on the creek, impacts on the soils and crusts. And so most of what I'm going to talk about from here on out is about managing people, it's about trails, it's about all these things, but this is the why. This is the, the why we need to do this. Dorinwin says the most popular entrance to Mill Creek is up Powerhouse Lane. She reports that area saw about 140,000 visitors in 2020. She says those are similar visitation numbers to other popular hikes, like Grand Staff Canyon and Corona Arch. But unlike the other two, the route to get to the trailhead is in a residential area. A 2020 survey indicated that respondents didn't want to leave things as is, but they also didn't want to make extreme infrastructure changes to accommodate even more visitors to Mill Creek. There pretty much was some consensus amongst people who filled out the survey, anyway, that they didn't really like now, and they didn't really like the idea of turning it into Disneyland either. (laughs) And this, I think, backs up that whole concept of let's do something, but let's maybe not do everything. Final recommendations include creating a well-marked designated trail system, especially in the front country, implementing a shuttle system with a stop at Powerhouse Lane to encourage less cars on that road, moving the primary parking area across the creek to Potato Salad Hill, and installing fee boxes like pipe safes to voluntarily collect money that could be used for restoration projects in the canyon. If you've got that disposable income, great, but if you don't, you shouldn't not be allowed up there. So, okay, this isn't required, but hey, if you want to help um, support the management of this area, throw in some, some money. There's a lot more planning to do in order to implement any of these recommendations, especially for the area around Powerhouse Lane and Potato Salad Hill. There's a variety of landowners all involved from federal to state, local to private. Dornwin said the next step is presenting these final recommendations to the Bureau of Land Management. You can find her presentation in the show notes of today's news on our website and podcast. Colorado River water managers could be pulled back to the negotiating table as soon as next year to help its biggest reservoirs from declining further. 
From KUNC, Luke Runyon has more. The 2019 Drought Contingency Plan was meant to give the U.S. and Mexican states that depend on the river a roadmap to manage water shortages. But that plan requires the river's biggest reservoir, Lake Mead, to drop to unprecedented levels before conservation becomes mandatory. Michael Bernardo is with the Federal Bureau of Reclamation and says one more dry year could put the system in crisis. You'll start to see a lot more concern and activity within the basin states and our principles to get together to come up with another proactive agreement to protect the reservoirs. Climate change is hammering the Colorado River Basin, where records have recently been set for both high temperatures and dry conditions. Lake Mead just declined to its lowest level since it was first filled in the 1930s. I'm Luke Runyon. And now let's go to our weekly newsreel where we speak with reporters about their latest stories of our area. Moab City has not instituted a property tax since the 1990s, but that could be changing according to the Times Independent. Editor Doug McMurdo has more from their coverage. Yeah, Molly, just a a quick clarification. Um, Moab does have a property tax. Right now, the rate is set at zero. It's a technicality. Way to be technical on me. I just want to be clear on... on, on, what what that that's why sure. they're able to reinstitute it without okay. um, a whole lot of public involvement. Be that as it may, Tuesday's city council meeting, uh, there was just a lot of uh, new information about what's going on, and I think the biggest takeaway is should the city council ultimately approve property tax um it will be effective in november mm. so for this year's tax bill oh, so wow. uh, it's not going to come out of anybody's escrow or anything like that they're going to have to come up with cash uh, anywhere from 200 to 400 bucks uh there's a there's a lot to unpack here but let's get right to it um i think that was the first time that that was ever acknowledged that if approved, people are going to have to pay it uh, this year. This year. They looked at four different scenarios that Mm -hmm. uh, finance director Ben Billingsley laid out, uh, ranging from a million-dollar levy to a $3.3 million levy. Um, A million-dollar levy would be $12 a month to the average uh, property owner, Mm -hmm. residential. Right. And uh, $3.3 million would be about $41 a month for that same property owner. Wow. Um, it's a pretty significant difference. Billingsley suggested that the best thing, that uh, perhaps the best thing, he didn't really advocate for anything, but the $2 million figure, which would be about $25 a month, um, seemed to be adequate for the city's needs. And what are those needs? Well, right. we, we, all, we all know we need more police. We're down officers right mm-hmm. now. And... Um, we need a minimum of eight more over the next five years, uh, according to Chief Brett Edge. So that's uh, 2.7 million a year uh, that would have to uh, be added to the police budget. We also have the question of uh, capital projects. Okay. We have roads. We have potholes. We've got infrastructure needs that are serious. Moab's an old, mm-hmm. old city, and a lot of that infrastructure goes back decades. So uh, it's just a growing problem, mm-hmm. and it gets worse each year. So that's $14.4 million that they would need, not in one year, obviously. Okay. Um, and then finally, their rainy day fund is seriously depleted at about 8%. 
Uh, Billingsley said it should be uh, 25 to 30 percent. And the reason for that is if you do have a major infrastructure problem, you're not going to have money to pay for it. and You're going to need help from the state. And uh, that puts cities in a, a really bad position to be avoided. The, the process starts in July 8th, 15 and 22nd editions of the Times Independent is going to be the legal notices. Okay. And it's much more than your typical legal notice. It's probably going to take half a page. Oh, wow. It's going to have very specific information okay. in it for people so people fully understand uh, what's what's going on. On July 14th from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., they're going to hold an open house at City Hall. Okay. That's going to be pretty pretty darn important. On July 22nd, the uh, property tax notices will be mailed out. And then on August 4th is the all-important truth and taxation hearing. Okay. So if all of that goes forward and the council decides to enact it, that would have to happen at some point in August, and but no later than September 1st. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they have to have their final budget um, right. filed by then. Right. Their, their budget is not a calendar year, but the fiscal year. Right. You just laid out all the reasons that the city council, um, you know, is in a position where they want to increase the property tax from zero. You know, I think it's safe to say that there might be a perception in town that the city has a ton of money. They have transient room tax dollars. How true is that? Sales tax um, rebounded very nicely mm-hmm. after, uh, you know, the shutdown last year. Remarkably well, as a matter of fact. However, there's a lot of problems out there. Uh, this is something that the city council is going to have to hash out on its own. It's going to take political will to enact it because um, I'm quite positive that this is not going to be met with uh, without a little bit of resistance. People by nature are... Uh, resistant to extra taxes. You know, the school district is also raising taxes. So I think the city council is going to have to do a very good job of laying everything out um, for the public. You know, a couple months ago, they said that we needed uh, to mount uh, a really uh, uh, rigorous public education campaign. Mm -hmm. And this was really the first time that we've revisited it since then. Anything else that you think that people might need to know about the property tax issue in Moab City at this point? Um, I do know that there's significant information or substantial information on the city's website, too, mm-hmm. regarding this issue. If not, um, call, uh, call Lisa Church and ask her uh, where, they, where that information could be found. I'm going to say that that will probably be forthcoming. Like you said, there's going to be some public meetings. I know that uh, Moab City reached out to KZMU to have the finance director on and some city council people on on one of our public affairs shows. So I know the Times Independent will keep covering it, of course. So hopefully we can get that information out Correct. to people. And there's more in the Times Independent that you'd like to highlight. Where else would you like to take us? Okay, now that you're angry about property taxes, (laughs) just think if you lived in Spanish Valley or elsewhere in San Juan County where every property owner and business owner across the board Uh got hit with a 41% property tax increase uh, due in large part because they neglected to uh, incrementally raise property taxes as home prices uh, mm-hmm. soared in value. So everything now, according to the state, uh, property taxes in San Juan County are more in, in line with property values. Uh, wow. And um, 
yeah, people in Spanish Valley are going to get hit the hardest because those are the most valuable properties. Yeah, there's pain going all the way around. <laughs> so, all right, Spanish Valley, San Juan County, that's the whole thing with these these taxes, right? You know, our municipalities might need the money and also so do its residents. <laughs> y- yes. Um, norm- normally when a, c- a city is struggling uh, with revenue, so are the people who, exactly. who yeah. pay it. So. Right. The dilemma. Well, where else would you like to take us, Doug? Well, let's go to some cheery news. Okay. We are going to have a uh, 4th of July celebration mm-hmm. in 2021. It's going to be a, a two-day event. Mm-hmm. Um, volleyball tournaments, beer garden uh, Saturday uh-huh. night, and then Sunday, a band called Shuffle is going to perform Sunday night. That's after a full day of uh, fun and, and uh, free swimming at the pool and all of that. And then, of course, the uh, uh, as of as of now, the the fireworks show is, is still planned. This is all in Swanee City Park? Yes, all in okay. Swanee, except for the fireworks show. That's going to be up on uh, Santa Flats, like always. Doug McMurdo, editor at the Times Independent. Subscription info and more coverage can be found at moabtimes.com. Moab Regional Hospital and the Southeast Utah Health Department are teaming up to host a suicide prevention workshop next week. As Moab Sun News reporter Anastasia Huffam found, the local Tri-County area leads the state in suicides. Moab Sun News editor Maggie McGuire has more from their coverage. I think that this has been an ongoing issue, you know, in a lot of rural areas. Um, rural suicide statistics, you know, can be can be quite concerning. Um, and one of the things that, you know, Anastasia, you know, she's not from here originally. And one of the things that she found quite surprising was that the, the Tri-County area, which would be Carbon, Emory and Grand County, which are the counties overseen by the by the Southeast Utah Health Department, actually have um, some of the highest uh, rates of like suicide risk um, in in Utah. Uh, in Anastasia's piece, you know, some of the public health officials that she talked to were also talking about like epigenetics. These are new ways of being able to talk about how stress and how your environment and how, you know, you can cope with different um, things that are happening in your life and the lives of those around you. You know, I, I just think that it's really encouraging that this isn't so much a presentation that you go and they're like, yeah, you should like take some time to like do some self-care. <laughs> you know, like this is actually talking about um, scientific measures and, and proven ways of, of interceding in these like really troubling and often quite complicated situations. Okay, so this is leaning into the science of mental health instead of just saying, oh, you know, you should take a break. Yeah, yeah. Which like, by all means, take a break. But you know, um, when we're talking about also issues of like, intergenerational poverty, um, the stresses that that come just with the simple fact of of being poor, of being in a rural area and perhaps not having access to services and to things that would lower that rate of, of just kind of grinding chronic stress. That's real. You can't tell someone to talk their way out of that. Um, but there are sort of um, scientific theories that do have evidence behind them for how you can you know, mitigate. You can, that's sort of the the name of the game, it seems like. 
So I do want to mention that Anastasia's article also focuses on the things that parents could do, or at least the resources parents could lean on to help their children through mental health issues as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's um, really encouraging because in Grand County and sort of, I would say rural areas in general, but particularly here with Moab Regional Hospital and Southeast Utah Health Department, you know, and other organizations really kind of putting a spotlight on this. You know, I, I'm seeing one of the, the stories that has been uh, one of those like low-key through lines that I'm sure you notice all the time, Molly, where it's something that, you know, you're coming back to month after month is that there's there's clearly um, a growing investment in um, having mental health services in this area. And I think that that's something that's incredibly encouraging. Anything else to mention on this front page piece? Just that I'm really happy that we could put it on the front page. It's something that affects everyone's life. You know, speaking of through lines, one of the things that often comes up in local media coverage is public lands management. You know, the ways that lands managers are responding to events like the Pat Creek Fire or, you know, use like increased visitation. And that that comes up in various pieces in the MOBS and news this week. You know, what do you want to mention about public lands and what's happening on them? Just that I think it's really interesting because, again, you know that this is sort of the the water that I love to swim in. Do I love covering like the the week to week, you know, events that crop up and letting our readers know about them? Obviously. But having these like larger stories about like the changing science and the changing nature of of this, you know, kind of unique community that we live in. I love that. And definitely one of the things that we're seeing. And I, I suspect that this is um, sort of an evolution of you know, land management um, as a as a focus of, of academic study. So there's just continual information that we're getting about, you know, interesting studies and surveys about sort of land impact, about using technology and how technology is changing um, the, the data and information that um, folks working on our public lands are getting. And that's really affecting the, the choices that they make. With uh, Utah State University here in Moab, you know, one of the things that they're really trying there is to put an academic focus on land management because they, you know, have recognized that that's a, this is a really interesting place to study that because there's so many overlapping agencies with different policies. There's so many visitors coming through. So there's like a high level of impact. It's like a really fascinating test case. And, you know, in each edition, I'd say if you flip through, it's not maybe going to be all in one story. But if you like, you know, uh, uh, look through and pick out little pieces, you can definitely tell that story. And that's something that I saw in this edition for sure. So what little gems would you like to highlight from the coverage this week? Well, you know, Rachel Fixon did a wonderful piece on a survey of of Indian Creek climbers. um, And that sort of is a sort of first person user experience survey to just get data on like, okay, how are people using this? What are their their feelings? What are the needs and wants of this particular user group? So that's sort of like anecdotal and super important information. But then there's also you know other information like in our coverage of um, the recent Moab City Council meeting. You know one of the things that was presented there was an appeal um, for some funding for a. Utah State University visitor use study, you know, specifically looking at um, behavior and patterns of of OHV users. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like, you know, kind of gathering data in a 
I wouldn't say a more academic way, but a more objective way, you know, less sort of like first person anecdotal stuff. And then also when we're talking about, you know, how um, fire management has changed in the last, you know, like 20, 30 years, um, one of the really important ways that they're managing the Pack Creek fire is through the use of, um, well, they refer to them as unmanned aircraft systems, but they're drones. And those are really fascinating because, you know, we all have like that romantic, you know, idea of uh, the dude up in the the fire tower. Who is that? Gary, Gary Snyder, the Gary Snyder version of just like, and that's the four months that I spent in solitude in nature. And that's like really beautiful, but it turns out drones are better. So one of the ways that they're managing the Pat Creek fire and have been able to get it contained, you know, I would say, uh, you know, to everyone's great relief is through the use of, of drones who use infrared technology. They go up, kind of get a bird's eye view of this fire. And then when um, a hotspot flares up, those drones are able to like kind of put a red flag up to, to cruise on the ground. And then they're able to just dispatch people there as as quickly as possible to get to areas before they kind of get out of hand. Um, that's just new technology being used in a, a obvious, but also like a really important way. Maggie, thank you so much. Anything else you want to mention about what's in the latest edition of the Mobs on News? Uh, just that one thing that I'm really excited about is that the Moab Museum and the Grand County Public Library are now open to the public. So that's awesome. Maggie McGuire, publisher and editor at the Moab Sun News. Subscription info and more coverage can be found at moabsunnews.com. That's it for the weekly newsreel, where we speak with newspaper reporters and editors about the most recent stories they've covered in our area. Find the pieces mentioned today in the show notes of the news on our website and podcast. Thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.